Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Stream Queens podcast, where we review horror films and horror adjacent films that you can stream on the internet. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is my favorite crow feathered foreshadow, Lars. (laughs) (laughs) That was a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) Well, I like the idea of just of of my identity this week being an idea. I'm a foreshadow, not a foreshadower or like I'm, I am no. a foreshadow. You are the foreshadow. <laughs> <laughs> so our audio is a little different this week. Marge, you want to tell people why? Because this is our first long distance episode. I'm I'm in a different state. I <laughs> know. Uh, it's true. I am very far away. Uh, I'm in Oregon, in the land of port, and <laughs> I've never I am... heard that's so old timey of you. <laughs> well, I realized. Hear ye, hear ye! Dost thou podcast from the land of port? <laughs> Mars does send word from the land of port. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, which it actually took me a while to realize that Portland is called Portland because of the river, and it was a like shipping ports. Huh. Yeah, I hadn't it took really me thought a... about it, but yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, right. And then it made the name Portland seem a lot less like not not that it was ever magical, but you know, like <laughs> it was no. Well, I mean, it's still Portland, you know. Yeah, I guess so. So driving up from my where my parents live in Southern Oregon to Portland, we passed like this weird um, fairy tale land amusement mm-hmm. park. Have you ever been? Yeah. I saw the pictures and it looks creepy as shit. Have you yeah, it looks like the place where you go and no one is there and the like hunchbacked guy is like, oh, I can put you on the roller coaster and then you come out and it's like monsters and stuff. Yeah, yeah I've been there because you can actually go there still. It's actually not closed down and abandoned like it looks from the freeway. <laughs> you actually can go there and I 100% recommend it. Okay. I also 100% recommend that you tell someone that you're going before you go. Because <laughs> because if you disappear, you want someone to know where you were and about what time, you know? It's yeah. like I already gave my virginity to a carny. I'm not going to let one take my soul as well. <laughs> this, this is one of those places where like I'll go to look for you and I'll see like a mannequin that looks strangely like yes! you and see in the display. <laughs> Um, no, it's so I went because I had a friend who had a daughter who lives with her mom and she was coming to visit and he was like, oh, we should go. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure we should go to that? But okay. So we went and it's, there's a couple of different areas, but one of them is a fairy tale land. Uh So it's like got these 3D like diorama window displays, right? Not diorama, like small, but like, you know, big window displays with glass in front of them. And it like shows a scene from a fairy tale. And so it's like. There was one that was from the scene in Pinocchio when the blue fairy shows up and is like, gives Pinocchio life, basically. Uh But they had it rigged so that the blue fairy would come out of a closet and the door in the closet was broken. So when we walked up, you could see the lifeless robot hanging in the closet, like waiting for the part where it comes out. But it just looked like a body hanging there because of the way she was like (laughs) and just dangling in the closet. And then when she comes out and she starts and like the arms move, but it's like simple joints and like the mouth doesn't move or anything, but there's like a recording of her being like, Oh, Pinocchio, if you want to be a real boy, you know, but she comes out and she's like doing the stiff arms where they just kind of move at the shoulder and just kind of swing up and down, you know, uh-huh. and she was missing some of her fingers. 
So it was oh just like, God. like they had snapped off. So it was just these like stub hands with a few fingers left over, like waving in the air and being like, if you want to be a real boy, it's so <laughs> creepy. So for people know, the place we're talking about is called the Enchanted Forest. Mm-hmm. And the picture on the thing is of like a mother and child standing inside the gaping mouth of a witch, mm-hmm. a giant witch face. Yeah. Yeah, this is some nightmare fuel. Yeah, like, you absolutely have to go, though. It's straight out of all of the horror movies. Oh, jeez. All right, so before we get into the the actual review, can <laughs> you quickly remind our listeners about our spoiler, uh, our spoiler policy? The spoiler policy is that we're going to spoil it. We're going to spoil the whole thing. <laughs> all right, so today what we're going to be talking about is a movie that I picked called Let Us Pray. And, but before we do that, I have a little warm-up question for you, even though I know we just rambled about um, that amusement park, but oh well, who cares? Um, <laughs> one of the things that in this movie, our main, like sort of our the bad guy, the nameless dude, who in the credits is called Six, because that's the jail cell he's in. But like, he his arrival coincides with massive flocks of uh, Oh, a murder crows. of crows? Yeah, a murder of crows! That is, seriously... That is the best group noun or whatever. Like a murder of crows. Is <laughs> right. Um, so my question is, and he turns out he's like, you know, like a spooky death dude, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to arrive somewhere, what would be your animal familiar that would like announce your arrival and follow you around? Ooh. Okay. I don't know why. So I'm just going to go with my gut on this one, but I think it would be raccoons. Raccoons. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Is there any particular reason? I don't know. I just, they're like kind of cat-like, but a little bit more sinister, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're very dexterous. Yeah, And I feel like you're a very dexterous person. (laughs) Yeah. One weird compliment, but I'm standing by it. (laughs) (laughs) I had a friend who was like, just out of the blue one day, we're drinking a lot of bourbon. And she was like, if you were an animal, I think you'd be a raccoon. So it's a reoccurring theme where I've been compared to raccoons. When you said it, I wasn't, I didn't. I wasn't able to argue in any way. I was. I mean, like, yeah. I'm not. Yeah, and I'm not mad about it. So you know, I was. I went camping once in a yurt, and I went out to use the bathroom at night, and I came back, and there were five massive raccoons circling the yurt, looking for like you know food or whatever. And they turned and looked at me, and then started walking up to me because I think they were very like you know used to people and saw me and thought like, oh, she probably has food because other people have had food before. So they started walking up to me, but I was terrified and also probably drunk and started just thinking like, they're going to carry me off. So now in my memory, it's like that time that I almost got abducted and then raised by raccoons. They were so excited. They had finally found their dear leader. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, I think that's a good choice. Okay. So like, I want to say it would be something cool or like, I mean, the obvious choice would be cats because you know, crazy cat lady, but if I'm honest, I think probably my like harbinger animal would be, I don't know, a pack of like penguins. Maybe? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's a what's that Batman movie where he attached lasers to penguins and they just kind of like yeah. quietly waddle around and kill things with lasers? <laughs> Laser you know penguins. I mean? Yeah, I feel like you know I'm kind of harmless and cute, and I eat fish. And... <laughs> I feel like, uh, yeah, I would be a, a pack of penguins. <laughs> it would be my harbinger animal. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I could be like a hawk or something cool, you know? Like, 
you know, foxes or wolf pack or something. But no, I think probably penguins. Like, I would want to play on the ice, and I don't want to get eaten by a seal. We have a lot in common, <laughs> so penguins. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, on that totally strange note, let's talk about Let Us Pray. <laughs> okay. All right, so I picked this one. It's from 2014. It's directed by Brian O'Malley, and I think this was maybe his feature film debut. I've never seen any... I, I looked at his IMDb, and it... I had not heard of anything he'd done. I think they were all shorts previous to this. Part of the reason I picked this is because of the cast, because it has Liam Davos. Yes, D- Sir Davos the Onion Knight, who is my favorite. So yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't resist, um, and that's kind of why I picked it, basically. And it's like one that I would occasionally see on lists of things like you know movies you missed, kind of horror movies. Oh yeah, fans need to see that haven't seen it, kind of thing. So. It has kind of always been on the back burner and when I'd see it on Netflix, but I never quite had gone for it. So this is sort of my excuse to like pull the trigger and actually watch it. Mm-hmm. All right. So Mars, would you mind giving us the movie synopsis? Sure. So it is about a small town in Scotland um, and a woman named Rachel. What was her last, her last name? Something made that made me really uncomfortable. Peggy. Peggy. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm not really sure why that name makes me uncomfortable, but it does. So <laughs> it's about a woman named Rachel Heggy, who is a policewoman, and she's new new to town, I guess. Mm. And um, she's out on her patrol at night and witnesses uh, a youth hit a man with his car. Except for then the man is no longer there. So she, the youth sees her, which... I don't know. I had lots of questions about Caesar. None of them have actual answers. Just many of them were just like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Totally legit. (laughs) Right? Um, So she takes him in for reckless driving. And you can tell that he's just kind of like a local teenage idiot, you know, who's known for being a teenage idiot. Yeah, like a delinquent. Yeah, yeah. And she takes him in. Somehow, like, I'm not really sure how this worked out that it was her first day or whatever working for the station, and yet she hadn't met any of the other two. It seems as though there are only two other police officers in this town. But she's, you know, meets the other police officers who find the man that she saw get hit by Caesar's car. They bring him in, and then it turns out that he's actually, like, death, I guess? Or some some unknow- unknowable being? so, because he makes a comment about being, you know, like, a, they say it's like a one-horse town, and he's like, a pale horse, which is in the Bible. Pestilence, right? No, it's death. The pale horse oh. is death, yeah. I know because I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I actually knew it, but I knew, like, I was like, I've watched enough Supernatural that I was like, mm. I feel like maybe this is like a one of the right the horsemen of doom or whatever. Right. Yeah. So no. Yeah. So it's death. And then also the I googled the symbolism of crows because like whenever he wherever he is, there's like all these crows and uh, crows, according to like some, you know, shaman website that I looked at, have, (laughs) have long symbolized death because they are carrion birds and they feed on dead animals and they they yeah. So I think that's why his, you know, and they're black and creepy. So mm-hmm. that's why. So, yeah, anyways, I think he's dead. But continue. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. From there, it's just everybody goes bananas and fire. And fire. <laughs> and CGI fire. Yeah. <laughs> the little fire. Okay, we're doing it where we talk about the end. But the little fires <laughs> on him, I'm like, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> come on. 
Like, most but, of the special effects are really good, but those little fires on him were laughable. Yeah. But the I really liked the opening, like, opening credit sequence yes. where it shows him, like, coming out of the sea. Yes. And, like, all the slow motion crow flying and stuff. I actually thought that was really cool. It was a little, you know, like, the slow motion crow stuff reminded a me a much. little bit. Yeah, it, it reminded me a little bit of, like, the True Blood opening sequence type it stuff. Made me think of, like, I'm like, ooh, it's goth labyrinth. Because I remember, like, <laughs> yeah. the opening scene is, like, the owl and slow oh, motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was a little heavy-handed. But the the sea, yes. the stuff where he's, like, thrall- like, climbing around on the rock as if he came out of the ocean yes. to claim these souls mm-hmm. was really cool. Um, the images of the crows just everywhere on like the playground or whatever. Yes. What's creepy because the birds was one of the first real horror movies I ever watched when oh. I started. Well, it's one of the first horror movies I ever watched on purpose. I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some very early in life because my parents were confused that not all animated movies about rabbits are going to be good oh, for children. Yes. yes. Um, or just because it's called animal farm and has talking animals doesn't mean that it's going to no. be great to show a six year old. No. So <laughs> I, I did watch some, some questionable things on accident, but the birds was um, one of the first horror movies that I watched on purpose because I knew it was a horror movie. And so, you know, seeing those scenes where the crows are on everything just reminded me of scenes from the birds and kind of brought back that trauma <laughs> i guess <laughs> like you i was just like right away with that opening scene i was like oh this movie looks really cool atmospherically it's really it's really creepy and it's beautifully shot but mm-hmm. i loved the we- like the totally sort of wildness of the ocean and the the rock like crashing against the rocks and then cutting to this sort of suburban little village Hmm. was like a cool juxtaposition and then you add to that like the uncanniness of the murders of crows all over it and it just you it gives this sinister ominous feeling that i was like yes plus the music in this opening scene is really cool i thought it's like this mix of like john carpenter-esque 80s with like mm-hmm. 90s industrial like there's a little bit of a, like a nine inch nails situation in there and uh i loved that I yeah that i thought it was really cool i i also really liked the music it reminded me of 28 days later yeah they, mm-hmm. yeah they use kind of similar music with the scenes of like empty london or whatever which i thought was really cool but i agree i like the music a lot too yeah and the village at night being so empty um it gave it i kind of got almost like a twilighty zone vibe mm-hmm. of it. Like, um, I was saying how, like, this feels like a a gory episodes of Twilight Zone, almost. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like, this is a weird, like, comparison, but did you ever see that movie, The Langoliers? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where they're, like, in the in-between time, and it's just empty. Like, it's kind of... (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like... Of all the movies to reference, that's not the one I expected to hear today, you know? You're welcome. But you know what I mean? Just sort of like that unnaturally quiet emptiness to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this village. No lights are on. Nobody's in the street. And I I get that it's a small town or whatever. But even in small towns, people have, you know, they're what you'd see like a TV flickering in the window or something. But it was yeah. just completely dead. You would think it was like 4 a.m. when really it's like we know it's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Cause like this yeah. thing's a countdown to midnight. 
And it, but it feels almost like it's set out of sync with time in that same sort of Langolier-esque way. Yeah. I think I just coined that phrase. Langolier-esque. <laughs> hey, I'm standing by it. You know what I'm getting at. <laughs> at some point, I, I feel pretty strongly that I will not laugh every time I hear Langoliers, but that day may not be today. <laughs> you know what's going to be crazy is the day that you refer to something as Langolier-esque. You'll be like, no, oh, Rachel, what did you do to me? <laughs> oh yeah so but yeah i think the whole setup for this movie is pretty strong like the we talked about the amazing visuals at the beginning and even the stuff where um we skip past it but like our introduction to rachel where she wakes up and she goes like full mars she's got like a knife in the bed and like three push-ups <laughs> by the bed i totally i was like you know i was like okay so we got another mars character here this is good i'm into this and but she's having these um like really quick flashbacks to some sort of traumatic event that like obviously is exposed over the runtime of the movie. But like right away, I really liked that. I liked the creepy quiet village and I liked uh, the introduction of Davos's character, even in the street, he's just standing in the street mm-hmm. waiting to get hit. And they have this moment where you, you get um, a, like a spark of recognition from Rachel when she sees him. And he's, yeah. And I, like I said, I think the setup for this is really pretty solid. I have some complaints later. I'm just going to be upfront about that. But this, oh, these opening scenes, I was like, oh, yes. Very stylish, very spooky, very sinister. And I like all that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, um, it didn't take me very long to be like, okay, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Right. Uh, I also have some qualms, we'll call them, <laughs> with, uh, things that happen later but um you know at least for the beginning you know i was it was about it so once we get to the to the station we were introduced to the rest of the cast of characters there's like the cops that are off having sex in their car like even though he's married and there's the really uh like upsetting sergeant who she walks in and he's watching like bondage porn (laughs) and uh in the jail cells is a guy who's beaten his wife and like you're getting your little cast of characters and i was getting a a, t- a tales from the crypt demon knight vibe from this did you ever see that <laughs> no <laughs> like billy's i can't believe you ever seen it has billy zane as the devil and it has oh, uh... i love billy zane no it's so good you like really need to actually see this movie if you haven't seen it i mean i don't know how it's aged but it, and it's kind of like a thing where everybody sort of has like secrets you know what i mean and so the devil's outside sort of trying to use that information against them and there's like all these demons outside you gotta see it it's so yeah funny. it sounds like something i'd be into yeah i'm actually kind of amazed it, it's it feels very mars-esque so all right so you haven't seen it so the the comparison doesn't hold but trust me like it has that same kind of thing where we take a couple minutes to kind of couple beats to kind of find out what's going on with people and this is where the beginnings of my problems with this movie start with like i mean i i get that these are we need to do sort of somewhat broad strokes because we can't spend 10 episodes getting to know these characters but like right Right. away you're introduced to them based on their sin you know what i mean yeah he's very much about punishing the wicked and Mm -hmm. so they lead with it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you know guys watching bondage porn this dude's cheating on his wife this guy yeah for beating up his wife this kid we get a flashback and he's run over some chick like the first thing he says is not again when he gets out of the car yeah and it's like it's it's one of the things where they were just short of being like 
oh, hello, wife beater Donald. You know, like it was <laughs> just short of using that as their first moniker. You know, like it, yeah. it, it was just, it was a little too, yeah. It's a little on the nose. A little, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I like I get economy of time. We can't all, sometimes we have to tell, we can't always show. Um, yeah. That part is, there, there's, good things and bad things about this movie. And that is definitely a file under the category of kind of weak sauce. The good thing I think is with our Rachel character, at least we do take the time over the course of the movie to kind of reveal all of her backstory. And there's a little twisty twist and I, and they, they kind of dole it out in a, in a pace that allows you to kind of get to know her over the course of the night. And it like adds layers to the motivation of why she is the way she is. And so Mm -hmm. I'll give them points for that. The rest of the, I think basically everybody else, it's the the characterization is pretty bad. And the things that they do later on when they are, I find difficult to like, they, they don't make a ton of sense. Like when the cops turn on her and they're like plotting her death, that seems a little that seems a little extreme like i get it like death's in the room he's making you guys he's like heightening things but it's kind of hard to track a little bit that these cops are gonna kill another cop yeah like things just seemed to escalate really quickly in certain times and without much motivation or maybe not motivation but like you know you know when like um little kids play make-believe games and they do the thing where, like, and then the building explodes, and then I can jump over it because actually I have springs in my legs, and then actually I'm a robot, and actually, and then you can fly because actually you have an invisible jet. You know, it just seemed a little bit like that, where yeah. they were like, like they knew the things they needed to do, they knew what they wanted to accomplish, they just didn't have enough time to get there, I guess. So they yeah. thought, well, let's just throw it all in, and then it'll make it work somehow. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. I'm think as you're saying that, I'm kind of realizing what it is about the movie like I feel like the execution of the movie in terms of the visual style the way it's shot the set set direction all that stuff is super strong this movie has a ton of style it's super glossy most of almost all the special effects are really good really solid but where it falls down I think is the script you know what I mean like it just it in terms of like the characterization and the motivation is not great I do like the the mystery aspect of it, though. And I will say that even though the script on this is not super great, I personally was never bored. I was always engaged and wanted I wanted to see what was going to happen. There was enough there, and maybe it was because it just the movie looked really great, that I never was like, you know, I didn't feel tempted to go look at my phone or, and I definitely am ADD, and I'm mm-hmm. so guilty of looking at my phone while I watch movies. But this one was engaging enough that I never felt compelled to pick up the phone. I wanted to to see the resolution of it, which I know is like faint praise, but it is. It, I mean, I do mean it as praise. <laughs> I mean, like, no, but I get it, too. Like, I always have to be doing something else while I'm watching a movie for the most part. Like, even if it's just knitting or something like I can't I have a hard time just sitting there and watching a movie like a normal person. Right. right. So if I you know, find myself watching a movie where I'm actually watching it. It, it. it does say a lot about that movie, I think, because otherwise I'm like also playing nonograms on my tablet or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Again, like, I, I just, this movie reminded me a lot in terms of the tone, just like a Twilight Zone episode, which I, you know, is great. I love that. Yeah. So, okay, so sort of the conceit of this movie is death has arrived and he's, like, punishing this group of people that... For, you know, I guess they've all come together in this moment. He's going to punish them for their wicked things. And, and we find out yeah, through each person, like, what it what crimes they have committed that has justified him coming and punishing them. And I don't know. I, I thought it was, it's a little, like, clue. You know, like, I, I was like, sure, I'm into yeah. this. And I wanted to see what each of the people had done. Yeah. Well, and I liked that he wasn't death and that he was looking out to, like, trick people into losing their souls. He wasn't, like, a predatory evil figure. He was just fulfilling the way of life. Because, you know, because he gives Caesar that chance where he's like, you can you can be fine if you just admit to what you did in time. And, you know, before she dies, if you admit and she gets saved, then you can be redeemed. Like, he wasn't out to get any of them. He was no. just doing his job. He was letting them, like, hang themselves. I do feel yeah. a little bad for Caesar because, like, he's like, hey, I have to tell you guys something. I know. And ignore him. And then, like, five minutes later, they come back to him and they're like, he's like, it's too late. She died two minutes ago. I was like, doesn't he get an A for effort? I mean, he tried. I know. Best. Like, he kind of, certain things were beyond his control at that point, you know? <laughs> right. I also really liked the way six manipulated everybody in that it was all these like weird different little things like there wasn't any sort of like he didn't have like a package of voodoo dolls or something you know it was all these different little like grinding his finger into the wall of his yeah. cell made the guy have this toothache and like the stuff with the matches like i just like the weird little different kind of magical rituals that he was doing that had these effects on people and i'm not really sure why i liked it so much but i liked that it wasn't obvious kind of yeah. stuff it almost feels like almost like folklore traditions of a devil character you know mm -hmm. he was actually a pretty interesting character i could have yeah. done with a little less scripture you know like there's a lot of biblical language in this movie that i yeah. and i'm also not really interested in movies that do like a ton of moralizing that's not mm -hmm. interesting to me and that's when we talk about the end we can talk a little bit about how i appreciated that they subverted that but that being said, like he almost feels like even though there's a there's a very Judeo Christian aspect to this movie, he almost, like I said, feels almost pagan a little bit. Like if you think about like voodoo traditions or something like that, mm -hmm. like he has that kind of vibe to him. I also like that he's like you had said, he's not someone that's like a trickster so much as like he's letting people he's a he's a witness. Like he says he's a witness. So he kind of just reflects their wrongdoings to them and lets that do the work. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we all do things and we rationalize them. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of forces them with these visions to reflect on what they've done. And then, you know, they go crazy and then they pay the price for it. Right. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's an interesting character more so than you would think. I think some of the dialogue they gave him is really bad. And, and, you know, Liam Cunningham is a really, really great actor and he's doing mm -hmm. the best he can with it. And there's just some, there's some dialogue you just can't, can't, right, you know, right. you do. But like he infuses this character that's pretty on the page, one dimensional. He infuses like this, like a ton of pathos into him. Like he, he does come across as someone who's powerful and at first very sinister, but ultimately almost a little tragic and romantic, which mm -hmm. were things I was not expecting. <laughs> right. So I have to give it up to him just as an actor. I thought he, he brings something very special to this role that makes, 
that makes the movie much better than it would be if somebody else were like playing six you know what yeah. i mean yeah no he did a fantastic job and like you know i agree with you someone else could have done gone so wrong with this kind of character and he's the best part of the movie yeah. by far i also liked rachel though i did like her i mean it, it helps that she started off very marzy which <laughs> immediately had me on her side there's not a ton to her she's definitely the cipher we're all kind of we're all final girling her right but in the action scenes, I thought she brought, a, you know, like a realistic physicality to it. Because mm-hmm. I mean, actresses are these tiny little waif-like creatures. You know what I mean? And so yeah. most of the time when you're seeing them in action scenes, if they haven't had a lot of training, it looks like you're like, come on now. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to buy these, you know, really physical. I hope that doesn't sound anti-feminist. I don't mean it to. I'm just talking about like, these are people who are not physically powerful and they're throwing people around and behaving in ways that are like not right you know i'm not saying that women can't do it and women aren't strong i'm specifically talking about the anatomy of like most actresses that's all i'm saying is that well that's like even no i don't think so i mean like even (laughs) even in the beginning when she gets up and she does her morning push-ups or whatever and they're like they're not the best push-ups you know like you're kind of i remember watching that and being like that looks like me when i do push-ups but she's supposed to be a cop but my but point she is looks- i when she's like you know ducking and hiding and then cutting up the dude's leg with the with the box cutter which i like that part where she like pulls down the thing yeah and use of all the stuff that had been put there earlier I, I bought it i felt i she had a good physicality to her that i appreciated in a final girl and I also mm-hmm. thought in the final scene where she's having the conversation with Six and they're having that re- revelation about like their history and what mm-hmm. Six wants from her and stuff, I felt like she did a good job of portraying someone who had that background. And like I, I, I understood her motivation as a character. Yeah. And I thought she was, I like Pollyanna McIntosh in general, but um, <laughs> I, I, that's part of why I was interested in seeing this movie because I like her a lot. I had a thought when you were talking about Six being like almost like pagan in nature. Mm-hmm. So I kept thinking about him coming out of the sea in the beginning and kind of what you said kind of put more pieces together for me oh. on it. But, you know, like how the sea is like we know more about the moon than we do about our oceans and it's where the oldest things live and stuff. And so just kind of like the idea yeah. of the oldest element coming out of the sea to claim souls because that's just what he's been doing since the beginning of time or whatever mm-hmm kind of does seem more pagan, more old. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, just sort of the old gods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When they talk about, like, eternity and stuff, it doesn't feel like biblical eternity. It feels feels like ancient eternity. I don't yeah. know how to describe it, but yeah. And I think maybe that's part of what it is, is, like, his birth from the sea. And even just the way he comes out of those rocks, like, he just looks so primordial. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, the the lady cop, the other one, yes. Mun- Mundy. Yes. So, for a long time, I thought so. It, situations would happen where they would be like, "Did he say anything yet?" And then they'd try to get this woman's attention, so they would say Mundy. But uh-huh. I thought they were saying Monday, like the day of the week, <laughs> if it's Scottish accent. So I I thought they were kept saying like did he say anything yet? And the response was Monday, as in he'll, he'll explain to us what's happening on Monday. And I kept thinking like, is it just like off hours on the weekend or something? Like, why is everything happening on Monday? (laughs) And it took me until like probably the 
second half of the movie to be like, oh, oh no, that's that lady's name. <laughs> okay. All right. So should we talk about the end of this movie? Yeah. So the porn watching sergeant from the beginning of the movie leaves pretty early on um, because he has to go attend to something because Six makes it clear that he knows that he's up to no good, basically. And we learn that uh, basically what he's been doing is taking young gay men back to his house, beating them to death, cutting them up and putting them in his fridge. Yep. Because subtlety and the final act of the movie begins with him returning he's gone completely bonkers he shows back up at the station he's like bloody he's wrapped in barbed wire and he's like shouting scripture and he's also carrying a shotgun so that he can kill all his co-workers which goes back to that like things just seemed to escalate really quickly for no reason you know and all of a sudden we're like cutting to him pulling fingers out of a mini fridge and I was like what what you know it was one of those like did I fall asleep for a while what how and then when he showed up again covered in barbed wire and I had that moment again where I was like did I miss something yeah I will say the hardest scene in the entire movie for me to watch uh is when the sergeant goes home and he beats the guy that's in his bed to death mm-hmm I know we always joke about being dead inside, but that scene, ugh, I found it deeply disturbing. There's a lot of blood and violence in this movie, but, uh, and this isn't even the most graphic thing that happens, but there's just something about the sound design and just knowing what he's doing to this young man that made this scene just rough, man. It was rough to watch. Yeah, the sound design, the sound effects in that part were really good in that they were really horrifying. <laughs> it's that wet bone crunch sound where it's like squish but also crack and then when he's like talking to him after he's beaten him senseless and you know the all the who did you tell or whatever kind of stuff and you're like that that dude's dead like that that guy's that dude's brain dead for sure he's he doesn't have answers for you anymore yeah but you know that being said as much as it doesn't make a ton of sense him showing up with the barbed wire vest and basically nothing else and a shotgun i mean it looked pretty cool it did look cool i just kind of wanted anything really that took us from any anything before that to that you know like i feel like we missed some stuff you're right like it did look really cool it was some sort of like biblical jesus rambo showed up and it looked (laughs) really awesome but it was a little like, I, I maybe needed a little bit more explanation about how we got here. Right. Before we got here, but. It was a little twisty twist. Um, We need, basically we needed a final showdown. Right. But because our villain character is very different than formula usually dictates, we had to kind of, the writers kind of had to set up another villain. And I don't think it makes a ton of sense in terms of the logical progression. It's almost as if, when they were writing the script, they had this resolution of how Six was going to turn out in mind and, and you know, the end with Rachel. Um, and they wrote the script in service of that ending instead of following a logical path. And so you can see that in some of these logical potholes, I think. Yeah, I just, you know, this one is a little bit more of like um, a little bit more of a jump. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the final 
with the final ending, there's one more little twisty twist. Um, we find out as a child that Rachel was kidnapped and abused, but Six was there, which explains kind of why she has that moment, that spark of recognition when she sees him at the beginning of the movie. Um, he was there. He actually came to the door and distracted the kidnapper, which was what allowed Rachel to escape. Or This is also when he first sees her and he becomes fascinated by her because she's like this survivor and he watches her throughout her life. And now basically, you know, she's an adult and he kind of wants her for himself, I think. I guess I kind of got the feeling that maybe it was like a inadvertently sold her soul situation because he said like you asked for me to come or whatever oh i forgot about that yes or like you asked for some he said he makes some comment about how she asked for help or she called out for help or something you know right, right. so it seemed like she inadvertently had been like did one of those you know i will give anything to get out of here and then he was just biding his time until she became an adult so that he could like date her i guess <laughs> Well, I mean, he's just demoralizing. He's not going to, like, hook up with somebody underage. Right. I mean, like, her whole thing was, like, you know, I'm a child. I'd like to not be in this situation. So I guess it would be counterproductive if he was, like, (laughs) want to be in this situation. (laughs) I would not say no. (laughs) Okay. So even though this movie has its problems, which we have talked about, script, hello, I have to say that the end really managed to surprise me. When Six propositions Rachel, I completely expected her to reject him. I mean, she's our final girl, and the formula of the final girl dictates that she is supposed to resist him, reject him, triumph over him, whatever. At the very least, she's supposed to reject the devil, right? But she didn't. Yeah, and I also didn't expect her to say yes Uh to go with him. I wanted her to only because it felt too obvious, too goody goody for her to be like, no, or whatever. But I, I liked that in the end, she was like, yeah, okay, I'll, uh, I'll be the devil's girlfriend. That works. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you and I are fairly savvy movie watchers. We've seen a lot of horror movies and we know all the tropes. So Whenever a movie manages to, like, buck my expectations, I can't help but have some grudging respect for it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Anyway, overall, what did you think of Let Us Pray? Um, I mean, it wasn't my favorite thing in the world, but I'm also not mad that I saw it. Like, I didn't, you know, it, it wasn't one of those movies that when it was over, I was like, well, that was a great way to spend an hour and a half. You know, like, I actually, like, was glad I'd seen it. I felt good about it. There are, I mean, like, I have my issues with it. I think it, it's not perfect, but, you know, I wasn't upset about it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, I think there's definitely some script problems, but overall, I did enjoy my time with this movie. Not every movie is going to be great. Sometimes good enough is good, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, visually, I think this movie is really strong. I like the sort of twilight zone feel to it and the mystery of it it definitely makes me interested to see what the director does next uh i mean it's a perfectly acceptable way to spend some time yeah i mean visually it's beautiful it's shot really well so you know i know it sounds like i'm damning the same with fake praise but i do mean it Uh, i mean i'm someone who loves when you stumble across a hidden gem and i think 
with the with the correct level of expectation, you can really have an unexpectedly good time with this. Um, there's plenty of fun aspects to this movie uh, and moments that makes it like a totally enjoyable low key watch. <laughs> it's like super it's... okay. <laughs> I would say it's yeah okay plus. <laughs> <laughs> it is a solid B. All right, I think we have faint praises to that. So, Marzi, what would you drink with lettuce pray? Um, so I I'm pretty sure I've used this one before, but um. Because of the ending, I'm going to have to go with Fireball. Oh, damn. <laughs> the end in a Fireball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally acceptable. This movie is, it's totally Fireball. I mean, it's like, it's not that great of a drink, but it's okay plus. It'll, it's okay plus. Actually, I have Fireball sitting right next to me right now. <laughs> that um, actually doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? And we've talked before about uh what is it, guilty guilty pleasures, fireball. Oh, it totally is. My two guilty alcoholic pleasures are fireball and Jaeger bombs. I mean, I haven't actually had a Jaeger bomb in a decade because, you know, I wanna live. Right. But I had a I had a summer of Jaeger bombs right before I decided to be a grown up, and it was I mean, I think every person who's not raised in an Amish community has a summer of Jaeger bombs. I mean, I had mine. I can see it now. The next great American writer. It was the summer of Jaeger bombs. It was the summer of the Jaeger bomb. The wind was dry across the desk. <laughs> in the land of Full circle. We went full circle. <laughs> All right. So, fireball it is. I like it. Excellent choice. As usual, Mars, uh, uh, Fireball's a great choice. Okay, so this is the point in the show where we usually do a little listener feedback. We don't have any this week. Um, so folks out there, we'd love to hear from you. There, If you are interested in participating in the show, we'd love to hear what you thought of Let Us Pray. We'd love to hear what you think we should watch. We'd love to hear whatever. Feel free to get in touch with us. There's lots and lots of ways to do it. You can email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. You can reach us on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at ZG Podcast. Or if you're not into the whole typeity typeity and want to actually talk to us, you can leave us a voicemail or text us at 1-678-694-7759. And if you're liking the show, we do ask you to do us a huge favor. And leave us a review on iTunes. We do look at those regularly, and it's a great way to support the show and let people know what we're doing. Um, Yeah, so if you like the show, leave us a review. All right, so I guess that's it, unless there's anything else before we pick next week's topic. Um, is Is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, we just need to talk about what we're going to watch for the next episode so that if people at home are playing along, they know what to watch. This is your pick. So (laughs) lay it on me, Mars. What are we watching for episode 17? So I've actually already seen this movie. I saw it a while ago. Um, But it's one of those movies where, like, I can't decide if it's good or not. (laughs) Oh, this should be fun. Um, So... I want to, well, I was planning on watching it again anyway, but now I think I might need a second opinion on it. Okay. Um, but it's called Indigenous, mm-hmm. and it's about a group of, like, American 
college tourist kids who go on this trip to Costa Rica, I want to say. I can't remember where they go. It's a South American area. And they ignore the locals and go to um, a forbidden area. And then there are monsters and things. And I remember I would like. I remember not being super disappointed with it, but then also not <laughs> not understanding if if it was right to not be disappointed by it, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it potentially could be really awful, but I guess we'll find out. I don't know. I'm I like that's the fun of this, is like it makes you watch all the stuff that is sitting in your queue, but you don't haven't watched. And I've seen Indigenous. I've seen it in the, um, like, I've seen it show up in recommendations and never got around to watching it. So, here yeah, we go. Yeah, like, I know, I know it's not, I don't think it's super good, but I don't know if it's okay. You know, like, I don't know if it's okay plus or not. <laughs> <laughs> We're shooting for an okay plus here, okay? Yeah, folks? I'm really hoping. Because neither of us have really picked a super big bomb yet. I mean, I think the closest we came was... They're they're watching, but it was saved by the frog battle in the end. Yeah, that damn frog battle. I know that really saved the whole movie. <laughs> it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, we've got to pick one eventually. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe this will be it. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, tune into episode seventeen to find out. <laughs> to find out if this movie sucks. <laughs> All right, Marzi, you want to take us out? All right. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for hanging (laughs) in there. (laughs) Bye. I'm doing well. I am sitting in the walk-in closet in my bedroom. But isn't that where the ghost lives? Yeah. It is. I mean, I guess they get bored and put on a little show. They're going to be little... super butt sore because they can only hear half the conversation. So I know. Brace yourself for extra haunting tonight. I know. They're going to be like, what was the other end of that conversation? <laughs> You'll have to wait till next week to hear the podcast. <laughs> all you have to do. all you Like, you can go home. And you can put your mouth wherever you want on the dude. <laughs> but for the next 30 minutes, we just need you to sit quietly in a too big chair with some other guy. <laughs> <laughs>